Hey, drunkies. Shelby here with a really exciting case update. If you'll remember, last December, we did a two-parter where we covered the murder of Lacey Peterson and then the trial of Scott Peterson. Well, on Monday of this week, the California Supreme Court reversed the death sentence that was handed down to Scott Peterson in his 2004 trial. The high court found that the original trial was fair and the murder conviction stands. However, according to CNN, in an automatic appeal, which was first filed with the Supreme Court in 2012, the court found that potential jurors were dismissed erroneously, in part because they expressed general objections to the death penalty on a questionnaire. Because of this, Scott Peterson will be granted a new punishment phase trial, which I'm particularly excited to see. Things have been a bit busy for us, Junkies, as we're researching Israel Keys like crazy to give you episode four of Unlocking Israel Keys on our Patreon. And Tierney's back in the classroom now. So in lieu of a regular case this week, please enjoy the second edition of Dead Drunk's Spooky Shooters. Hi, friends. I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And this is a spooky shooter episode of Dead Drunk. My favorite. <laughs> Love Welcome that. Welcome to another spooky shooter. Yay! Wow! 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 <laughs> so spooky. So spook. Some are gonna. No, not that one. Holy <laughs> 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 oh, shit! So today I'm gonna tell you about the Native American legends of the little people. Oh my god, love that. So the Native Americans told legends about. These little people who live in the woods are sometimes near rocks along the bank of large bodies of water like the Great Lakes. Okay. These little people were mostly benevolent but would sometimes play pranks on the humans living nearby. These pranks would include singing and then hiding when curious humans came to search for the source of their music. Sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it sounds pretty, pretty <laughs> playful. Like, ah, you can't find us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, also something that I would do or you would do. <laughs> yeah. The legends also say that these little people loved human children and would often take the children, but only if they were abandoned or if they had bad or abusive parents. So they were pretty cool. So they're they're like CPS. Yeah, yeah. They're mystical CPS. <laughs> <laughs> Other legends say that if the little people were spotted by a human adult, they would beg them not to say anything about their existence and reward those who kept quiet by helping them out in times of need. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. A common belief surrounding these little people is that they create distractions to cause mischief. This is why, although they are mostly believed to be benevolent, they are sometimes viewed as an evil being depending on which tribe you ask. Some of them believe that they were gods and kept away from their living area out of a mixture of respect and fear. The Mohegan tribe called these little people the Makiawisug, and that's my favorite name for them. I love that you can pronounce that. <laughs> oh, I had to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and they made their home in the rocks of Mohegan Hill. After the sun went down, the call of the whip or will. I don't know how to pronounce that, but I'm pronouncing it like will of the wisps from Brave. 
This call would signal their arrival. The Mohegans believed that the Makiawisug were good spirits as long as they were treated with respect. This means that the Mohegans were particularly careful about following the Makiawisug's rules of etiquette. I don't know if they got them in like a book or if they just kind of made them up, but <laughs> either way. Any people who saw these little people were instructed to not look directly at them as they would think that that's rude. The Mohegans warned that if they caught you staring, they may point a finger at you, which would root you to the ground, and then they would steal your belongings. Another important rule is to not speak with them in the summer when they are at their most active. I'm not sure about that one, but it's probably so they don't steal more of your stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would make sense. In return for following the rules, the Makia Wisug would teach the Mohegan people how to grow corn and use plants for healing. The Makia Wisug were keepers of the earth in the Mohegan culture, and they reward those who honor both the planet and their way of life. So that's probably also why they followed the rules. So this is how the Mohegan legend goes. When the English settlers came and disrupted the traditional way of Mohegan life, many forgot to help the Makia Wisug. As a result, many Mohegans and Makiawisug fell ill. At this time of bad spirits, there lived a medicine woman. One night, during a terrible storm, she heard the whippoorwill. When she looked outside, the bird wasn't to be found, but a small boy stood in the rain on her doorstep. It turned out he was a grown Makiawisug named Wigan, who told her to come help someone who was sick. Though the storm was fierce, he led her through the woods a long way. Suddenly, the storm seemed to stop as they began to descend into the ground. They were in the realm of the little people. Wigan led her to a beehive-shaped chamber of rocks. Inside, a very old woman lay in bed, very ill. The Makiawisug told the medicine woman that this was Granny Squanet, who must be made well. Granny Squanet is very powerful, and she is known to cause storms when she argues with her husband. Her illness was the reason for this storm. Worse, healers often look to Granny Squanet when the need is dire for help in healing, and here she was the one who was sick. The medicine woman treated Granny Squanet for nearly a moon before she got better. In return for restoring Granny Squanet's health, the Mikiawisug gave the medicine woman a basket of gifts and told her to remember them. She was then blindfolded and taken back home. Only when she returned did she open the basket. Inside were quartz crystals, painted skins, and bunches of herbs. And that's their legend. Oh, it's kind of sweet, actually. Mm-hmm. Although the Mohegans called the, them medicine women, she could also be called a shaman. According to a paper by Frederick E. Harris from the University of Montana, this is an almost universal behavior within the little people. Quote, when dealing with most humans, little people almost universally help shamans regardless of habitats or physical guise. Shamans cure through spirit journeys that map sacredness once honored by most humans on earth so they're pretty fond of shamans <laughs> love that in his paper harris goes into the appearance of these little people which for the most part is humanoid sometimes they may be described or depicted as having tails or claws but mostly they look like humans but they do sound like they may not look like the prettiest of humans <laughs> um oh, no harris describes that quote their heads might be large, pointed, long, small, horned, or bald. Mouths can be absent or tiny, bead-like, or triangular. Noses often differ from ours being red or absent. Common features are small, upturned noses and a depressed nasal bridge along with puffy eyes, 
oval ears and broad mouths with full lips and a small chin. So not the sexiest. <laughs> not the sexiest <laughs> for sure. Harris goes on to explain that some of these physical attributes, quote, are consistent with Williams syndrome, a brain disorder associated with emotional sensitivity, low IQs, shorter stature, enhanced musical and narrative abilities, reversals in brain hemispheric dominance and activity, and a fondness for order routines and traditional traits often found in Native American little people as well. Huh. Most of the little people throughout Native American legends go barefoot, but the footprints left behind could sometimes go from side to side, point in or out. Some may lack toes completely, and some might even be reversed. Hmm. One legend of little people in Idaho states that they actually walked upside down. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) The legends of the little people stretch across North America, although each tribe has a different name for them in their own language. They are universally referred to as little people. Okay. One Reddit user, actually under the post about the Dark Watchers, which we talked about last time, she posted, oh, well, I'm assuming it's a she. I don't know. The username is Eekmina, but that user okay. posted this story eight years ago. It says, I grew up on a reservation in southern Ontario, Canada, and my parents always used to tell me about the little people. They would tell me that if my cousins and I were out playing and heard stuff like someone calling us or things to get our attention to not go and inspect because they were more than likely going to try to do something to you, whether it was a prank or whatever was left up to them, I guess. And apparently if you heard them in your house, then it meant they were up to no good and you had done something bad while out in the fields to anger them. I heard stuff as a kid while we were out playing in the fields and such, but then again, it could have been animals or my mind playing tricks on me due to the stories I was told. My mom and a couple of her family members had said they supposedly saw them when they were younger a couple times, but I never saw anything, just heard things. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never heard of these things before. That's crazy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Another user from Northern Alberta responded with their own story of hearing about the little people. This user, whose name, whose username was D-A-Y-M-C-N. I'm not going to try and make that into a word. Dameson. (laughs) Dameson. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That user explained that they were a member of the Cree Nation, which is one of the largest groups of First Nations in North America. Their Cree legends refer to the little people as pranksters who often steal people's jewelry and cause general havoc. These non-human beings probably sound similar to the dwarves and elves from Euro-American folklore, and because of this, and the general lack of evidence, the little people were regarded as nothing more than a myth. Despite this, the Crow Indians of south-central Montana and northern Wyoming have continued their relationship with the little people, who they consider protectors and suppliers of medicine. As recently as 2006... The Crow people were still making offerings to their little people who lived at Medicine Rock. In his 2006 paper, Harris goes into one of the most recent stories about the little people and their interaction with the Crow. It goes like this. One of the most recent stories regarding little people and their interaction with the Crow is the story of the great warrior and chief Plenikoo. During a medicine dream, Plenikoo was led through the air from a high mountain by a spirit who took him to a lodge. Inside the lodge was a little person who handed Plenty Koo breath feathers and taught him how to count coos. Interesting. The little person told Plenty Coos that his people resided at Medicine Rock and were the makers of stone arrows, that they were enemies to some and allies to others. The little person then told Plenty Coos that someday he would become a great chief and the little people, 
with the help of the creator, would help guide his spirit through its life journey. Plenty Coups went on to become one of the last great Crow chiefs, striving for peace amongst other tribes and the white man. A few years after Plenty Coups' death in 1934, two men, probably white, who were prospecting for gold in the Pedro Mountains near Casper, Wyoming, discovered a small cave instead of gold. The two gold diggers explored the cave further and found what appeared to be a mummified corpse the size of a child. Oh, no. In his paper, Harris explains that this, quote, little person was sitting cross-legged with his arms folded across his lap. The tiny mummy was only about six and one half inches tall in its seated position and estimated at 14 inches tall in a standing position. The gold diggers, Cecil Maine and Frank Carr, brought the mummy back to Casper, where it gained the interest of the public and considerable media coverage for, for that time period. Naturally, the discovery sparked the question of whether or not the little people of legends were just actually legends. In the early 1940s, the mummy, which came to be known as the Pedro Mountain Man, was bought by a car dealer named Ivan Goodman. Goodman displayed the mummy in his showroom as a way to attract more customers, which is disgusting. Mm -hmm. Many scientists believed that it was just a hodgepodge work of taxidermy and made numerous requests to examine the mummy. Goodman eventually agreed to these many requests and the body began making trips to the Field Museum in Chicago and the Museum of Natural History in New York City. There it was examined in great detail by archaeologists, anthropologists, and a variety of other scientists. X-rays showed that inside the mummified remains was a perfectly formed man-like skeleton that had some kind of variation in the wrists and eye sockets. Ooh. According to Harris's paper, further, quote, tests also revealed that the little person had been killed violently as the spine was damaged, a collarbone broken, and the skull had been smashed in by a heavy blow. The soft substance at the top of the head was exposed brain tissue and congealed blood. Ew. So this little person was murdered. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> the scientists were unable to form a uniform opinion as to how this little person ended up in a remote cave in a Wyoming mountain range, but they were able to estimate specifics about who this little person might have been. They estimated that this little person was a fully grown adult who was about 65 years of age at the time of his death. This estimate was supported by the evidence seen on the mummy itself. According to Harris, the mummy, quote, had both hair and pubic hair, a trait not commonly found in most infants or fetuses. Another mitigating factor was the epiphyseal lines in the bones, which do not calcify until the end of adolescence in humans Yikes. were not present suggesting that the mummy was much older than an infant or an adolescent. So, old guy. Damn. Old little person. Yeah. In the 1950s, it was discovered that other incomplete mummies had been discovered in the region. The whole skulls that were found matched the measurements of the Pedro Mountain Man. One game warden allegedly found an entire cave filled with mummies like the Pedro Mountain Man, but he was so frightened by the sight that he ran away immediately and vowed never to return. That cave was supposedly in a remote area called Pathfinder, which is a basin that is now underwater. The area is avoided by the local Native American tribes because it belonged to the little people. It should be noted that this story came out after the success of the Pedro mummy story. So it could have been one man's effort to cash in on some potential notoriety. Mm. When Ivan Goodman died in 1950, the mummy passed to Leonard Walder and eventually disappeared. 
Now there is a $10,000 reward being offered for any information that leads to the whereabouts of the Pedro Mountain Man. Other skeletons of little people have been discovered across the United States. In 1837, multiple tiny humanoid skeletons were discovered buried in tiny wooden coffins near, I'm going to butcher this town name, Kachokton, <laughs> Ohio. The skeletons ranged in size from three feet tall to four and one half feet tall. No artifacts were found with the bodies, but the number of remains led to the conclusion that this must have been a graveyard for little people who had, quote, been tenants of a considerable city, according to an 1837 issue of Gentleman's Magazine. In 1876, another ancient graveyard was discovered in Coffee County, Tennessee. This graveyard was similar to other sites discovered in White County and in other areas of Middle Tennessee. However, this site was considerably more extensive. The Coffee County graveyard covered about six acres of land and held, the, held hundreds of remains. According to the letter that documents the find, quote, a man was plowing in a field, which had been cultivated many years, and plowed up a man's skull and other bones. After making further examination, they found that there were about six acres in the graveyard. They were buried in a sitting or standing position. The bones show that they were a dwarf tribe of people about three feet high. It is estimated that there were about 75,000 to 100,000 buried there. This shows that this country was inhabited thousands of years ago by little people. Mm -hmm. Although this account has also not been confirmed, the amount of skeletal evidence discovered through the United States and across the rest of the world supports the idea that at one time, the little people existed on this earth. The Pedro Mountain Man was the closest science has ever come to fully understanding the mysteries of these ancient humanoid beings. He may have taken all of the answers with him when he disappeared. That seems like how the little people would have preferred it, though. They wanted their way of life respected and not investigated. So could they still be around? Could little people be behind the disappearance of the Pedro Mountain Man? We may never know. But what we do know is that the little people are more than just a legend. The end. Loved that. <laughs> I also forgot to mention earlier, but I did come up with a shooter for this. Because Native Americans would add maple sugar to their drinks in the summer to make it great so this shooter all you're gonna do is get some butternut schnapps and combine it with some spice rum and then throw it back and that's a maple syrup shot that sounds fucking phenomenal yeah i would drink a million of those probably yeah they're probably really dangerous so <laughs> don't go so overboard <laughs> yeah no i would definitely get like really fucked up on those. <laughs> Holy <shit>. here i go <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to share with us how fucked up you got up on our shooters, um, you can email us at deaddrunkpod at gmail.com. <laughs> you can also share your shooter pictures and videos and whatever else with us on Instagram at deaddrunkcrime. You can tweet us, but we probably won't tweet you back at <laughs> deaddrunkcrime. You can follow us on Facebook where we post pretty much everything. Yeah. Dead Drunk, a true crime podcast. And you can find us on our website where we'll we'll put up the spooky shooters as well. Yes. Deaddrunkpodcast.com. And yeah. we have a new thing to promote. 
You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dead drunk where you can hear us talk about Israel Keys and soon about true crime docs. We're going to start with the Golden State Killer and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's going to be really fun and it's a really exciting new project that we're doing. So join us on Patreon. And if you like spooky shooters, let us know if something spooky has happened to you and you want me to tell that story or Tierney to talk about it. You want us to tell it? We'll do send it. it to us. Shoot it I'll over. Read it. I'm, yeah, I'm really good at reading. Yeah, we can do it. We both went to college, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, dude. So thanks for joining us. My name's Jared, and I'm 19, and I did learn how to read. Yeah, Jared. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, mom. Is it Jared that that kid says? <laughs> uh, is it? Jar- I thought it was Cot Ryan, Kyle. Hi, my name's Ka- my, hi, my name's Ryan. Hopman? My name's Jared. Hopman? Maybe it is Jared. I don't know. I don't know. That kid really cracks me up with his two-second vines where he's like, hey, I'm starting a GoFundMe to um, kill my little brother. The benefits of having him <laughs> killed would be... <laughs> I, I get pushed less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so... All right. Bye, Bye mom. Bye, mom. <laughs>